Thank you, Jordan. Well, Jordan asked us to introduce each other, so just a few things I want to highlight about Ed in addition to the good things that Jordan just said. You know, what Ed did for Jordan is one of my favorite things about Ed. He moves toward people and into their lives in meaningful ways, and he really loves people. And he's curious about them, takes an interest in them, asks good questions because he genuinely loves people. And I've seen him do that so many times. So I love Jordan. He's a dear brother. We were on the same staff at our church down in La Mirada together. And I knew the hard time Jordan was going through. And I knew that if Ed got together with Jordan, he was going to make a difference. They weren't just going to talk about shallow things. They were, that Ed was going to move toward him. And I just love that about him. He became a Christian when his family was really imploding at a really tough time. And uh, Pastor Feeney, this pastor, just reached out to him and and made a difference. Wasn't wanted anything special, just pointed to Jesus and led him to Christ. Sports was a huge part of his long basketball. That really shaped him in a, in a big way, not growing up in a Christian family, and that was really significant. And he's super curious about all kinds of things, not just people. Like I'll talk to him and I'll say, I just read a book on the history of salt. It was amazing. And then we, we went to school together, and he was supposed to write a paper, I think, for a Hebrew exegesis class. Oh, and gosh. I don't think he got it done. And I said, why did you get your paper done? And he said, because I was in the library, and I saw a book about the woman who played Liesl in Sound of Music. And Dude, I ended up, that is I not did. how you start a men's retreat, man. That's really not, man. That is not how and you start a men's retreat. he laid on the floor in the library, and he read <laughs> Becoming Liesl on the floor. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more behind that. <laughs> and he's got, a, he's got an incredible wife, Amy, who is such a blessing to so many people, uh, us included. And he's got four kids that he's a great dad for. So I'm thankful wow, to him. Wow, that's, that's awesome. a friend for almost 30 years. Yes. Yes. Well, Eric, we were just talking about this in the back room. So you guys, so I know everybody's coming from different places. Some of you have been here before. Some of you haven't, like we saw at the beginning. This is a bucket list moment for Eric and I to be here. One, because we love doing men's retreats, okay? And just, just, just love what this is and that we all get to be a part of it. But two, we, we met each other, like Eric said, back in 1996. We were both in grad school. In fact, I was, I was super discouraged and just ready to go home. There was a bunch of stuff going on. And Eric pulled up to me as I was sitting outside on this bench in, a, in Chicago at our school, and it's freezing cold out and miserable and just a dreary day, and Eric drives up on this bicycle that he got out of a dumpster, okay, like literally, literally, and, and just saw me, and it's interesting what, what he just said about me, because I feel the same way about him, like he sees people, he loves people, and, and he loved me enough to stop and talk to me and just say, what's going on, dude? And like, we didn't even know each other, like that's how we met, you know, we had, had played basketball and stuff together, but we never really talked. And just asked me good questions and, and cared about my soul. Um, and, you know, even, even as I think about this and thinking about our lives together, it's one of the great takeaways maybe even from this weekend, like Jordan said, is just to maybe start caring about each other on a deeper level. You know, I want so much for people to care about me, but maybe what God wants me to do is start seeing the people around me, right? And, then, and that's when good things can really happen when we start to see each other. And Eric's always done a great job of that. He went on to be a, he was doing a PhD in theology. So the man has come from a similarly 
challenging background in his own family on the East Coast, played football at Central Connecticut, and just came from a very blue-collar place. But God got a hold of his heart, and he wanted to be able to think deeply about the word and be able to teach it well to people. And that's what he's been doing for the last 30 years. He's a professor of Biola. A lot of you know him. Some of you have had kids that have gone through his classes. Some of you have gone through his classes. And just highly sought after as someone who understands what's going on in God's word and knows how to make it super practical. So it's, it's very fun for us to get to do this together, okay? You guys are like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. You <laughs> lost me on Liesel, and I know, but there's, <laughs> like, we've been wanting to do this for a long time with each other. So He's got a tender side to him. He really does. Yeah. So we, uh, the last thing in the world that we would want to do, and I think this all the time when, whenever I'm getting to do men's stuff, the last thing we'd want you to do is come here and feel more under the pile after you leave. Like, that's the worst. We, we, we don't want you to wind up feeling more guilty or more failure or like, like, cause we're all trying to wear a bunch of different hats as men, aren't we? And they're all challenging. You're trying to be a son. Maybe some of you are trying to be a father. Maybe some of you are trying to be a, a good husband. Some of you maybe are divorced and, and we're not a, you know, weren't a good husband or stuff happened, right? And so you're wearing that hat all the time. And, and you're trying to be an employee. You're trying to be a church guy. A lot of us, right? Just a bunch of different hats. And I know in my own life, trying to wear all those hats can be overwhelming sometimes, man. I just, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job in all of them. Um, gosh, we've been talking about kids. I, we've, we've got four kids. They've got four kids also. And just been talking about how, like, we don't know what we're doing. You know, I mean, we're doing the best we can, but like they're doing what they want to do and it hurts. And like, what do we do? Right. And so one time I was talking to my daughter and, and I, she was 11 and I was just having this tough conversation with her, trying to get her to be less foolish and more wise. And she just looked at me and she said, Daddy, you have no idea what it's like to be an 11 year old girl. <laughs> what do you say to that? I said, yeah. I said, you are absolutely right. Yeah. And then I said, and you have no idea what it's like to be the father of an 11-year-old girl. So let's just figure this whole thing out together, honey. And she said, all right. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah, beautiful right moment. on. It's hard, though, right? So, like, we get that. We're, we're trying to figure out how to do all of it, too. So don't, don't want to put more, on, more under the pile. At the same time, unapologetically want somebody to raise the bar high above my head. And I believe you do, too. This was maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I was driving down the road. I don't usually listen to advertising on the radio, but for some reason that day I was listening to the advertising, and I heard this tagline where they kept saying, be a real man. And it caught my attention, right? Because you never hear that on the radio. So I like, turned it up. I'm like, what's this all about? And it went on and said, be a real man, wear Trojan condoms. <laughs> there you go. It is that easy. I've never, I, yeah, it's that simple. Wow. Right? Who knew? <laughs> and fellas, this is what I thought. This is, this is, this is what I, I felt. And I felt um, something that I think would be, was like anger inside of me. Because I need help. I need help to be a good man, to be a godly man, right? I, I, I need help at that. And encouraging me that being a real man has something to do with a condom purchase. Like, that's about, that's about all culture has to offer us. It's like we're, we're reduced to sex. You know, like, that's the best they can do. And I remember even thinking to myself, well, you know, the reality is to be a real man, I would not need 
condoms for what you all want me to buy condoms for. <laughs> like, I've been trying not to do that over the course of the last 30 years of my life, right? Because we're not talking about buying them to have sex with your wife. Are you with me? Okay. And, and so, so I just say, all right, that's the culture we live in. And we're not getting a lot of help right now from messaging that we just get out in the world. A lot of times, even in church, we're not really sure how to talk about what it means to be a man these days. And so unapologetically, I love that we're going to get away for a weekend. Let's put the bar high above our head from God's word, not for the purpose of trying to feel more guilt or, or, or to get under the pile, but just to say, okay, I want that. Now, how do I lock arms with guys to go after that together? You know, And Eric and I have been talking about just burdens we have as we thought about what we wanted to do this weekend, what maybe God was leading us to do. We started talking about just concerns that we have out of our own lives, but also just from talking to other guys. Eric, why don't you talk about that? Where do we, where do we start going with that in our minds? So for me, surviving <laughs> in a fallen world as a fallen man, trying to be who God created me to be, it can be overwhelming at times. And for me, half the battle I've discovered is knowing it's a battle, is to wake up in the morning and to know that there is an accuser of the brethren going after me. And the evil one wants to take me down. He does not want me to grow in Christ. He does not want me to be a godly husband and a godly father and a godly friend and, and a minister of the gospel and whatever the details of that looks like. He's after me. Okay. And so I, I, I need to know that. And I need to know that we're in a war. The Bible says that, that we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places and spiritual forces of darkness that are warring against our souls. And Satan prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he'll devour. Mm. And he takes us out through all sorts of different things. And so uh, th yeah. this quote from The Art of War is just, I read this years ago and it was so helpful to me. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself and not the enemy, for every victory gained, there will be a defeat you suffer. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you'll succumb to every battle. And so Man. our goal this weekend is to help us know who we are. Good. From God's perspective, as, as men made in the image of God yeah. for his glory, for a relationship with him, and to be ministers of the gospel to other people. That's what he's created us for. And we need to know what's going to take us out. Yeah from those goals in our lives. And so we want to talk about what those obstacles are, what those goals, what the things, what are the things in our society in this particular time that Satan is using and in particular to take us out, to, to cut us off at the knees and prevent us from being the kind of men that Satan's going to be upset about. Yeah. And so, so I, I want to do some serious damage against the kingdom of Satan and do everything I can to be part of advancing God's kingdom in this world. And so I need to know what my enemies are. Yeah. And I know, I know the big enemy, but I want to know the particular ways and things he does to, to take me out of the battle yeah. and to defeat me and take me out. So that's what we want to do. We, we just brainstorm together of, for ourselves and for men in general. And guys, I got to tell you, it's humbling to be here. Just being, just walking in this room and seeing you guys and hearing you. It's humbling for us. It's awesome. We, we love you guys. We're thankful you're here. And especially for men, I think women have an easier time recognizing their need. I think they have an easier time being humble and saying, yeah, I need other people in my life to grow. I think we men have a harder time with that. So the fact that you're here, 
I don't even know if you're conscious of this, but the yeah. fact that you're here, it's a, it's a demonstration of humility yeah. and teachability, saying I'm not okay by myself. Mm. I need to get together with other men. Eddie's going to talk about this later on this weekend, the need for relationships. But, but the fact that you took time out when you could have been doing 100 other things to commit to time to go deeper in these relationships you've come up here with yeah. this weekend says a whole lot about your teachability yeah. and your humility. And we're, just, we're honored and humbled to be able to be part of leading this in a way. And we want to grow right along with you yeah. guys. It's already a win. Yeah. I've, I... So I'm, so I'm 55. How old are you? 59. 59, 55. Um, became a Christian when I was 20. So it's been about 35 years now for me. We're, as long as I can remember, yeah. I knew I had a relationship with Jesus because he saved my life. Okay. Yeah. So for decades, I feel like we've, we've been trying to, trying to figure it out, you know, and, and trying, to, trying to stay on the path and keep going. We've been in church work, ministry, we work with students, and, you know, one of the things that discourages me is just how easy it is to just sort of settle, I feel this inside myself, to just sort of settle for, like, a mediocre way of going through life, you know, you just, you're fending off, feeling discouraged, fending off maybe being defeated in different ways, and again, I'm not saying it's this way all the time, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer about all of life, but... I think there's just that, that vibe. It's just hard not to feel defeated as a man a lot, especially in the cultural moment we find ourselves in now where you're not being championed as a man at all, okay, or rarely. And so I, I don't want to feel defeated. I believe, I know Eric believes this. I believe this for myself. I believe it for you that God wants to use us to make a difference now. No matter what you've done in the past or what you're bringing into this place even tonight, that he, he wants to use us to make a difference. We're going to talk about it this weekend, okay? I get hope from that, and we want to communicate hope this weekend, wherever you're at. So we'll say this. Some of you are in a really good place as you come in here. A lot of the things we're going to talk about, you teach yourself, and, and you teach in, in your settings. And, and so you're maybe down at this end. For some of you, you're going to hear things this weekend you've never heard before. This is new language. Maybe it's a little tippy. Maybe even the songs that we just sang were, were kind of weird, and you know, you, you're just not used to talking God talk much. It's okay to be in both of those places and everywhere in between. Okay, I like what Nate said. Nate was one of the hosts that said, This is a place where you can come and be vulnerable, which is a good word. It goes along even with what Eric just said. You already came in here saying you need some help. And so don't stop doing that now when, when you actually turn towards one another. Tell the truth, okay? And even as we look at this list, see if you can find, where do you find yourself in this list? It's almost like a little assessment we're going to give tonight. We're going to put eight things out on the table, hopefully pretty quick, okay, because I feel like we could talk all weekend about all these things, but we're going to put eight things out in front of you and just say, maybe I need to pay more attention to this one, or this one's getting me, or I'm doing really well when it comes to this one, okay? You might want to take notes, put them in your phone, or write them down so that you can talk about them with each other when we're done. So, Eric, what's the first one? You know, Go ahead. Let me add what one else? thing to what you were saying. Okay. We're going to do our best to, to offer food from the word yeah. and offer perspective from, from pastors' hearts and just brothers in Christ. But I really believe as important as what happens up here, yeah. in another way, the most important thing that's going to happen is over dinner and yeah. walking around the lake. And 
getting to each other's lives because you all know each other and the, and the different groups you came up with. Maybe you came by yourself and you'll be meeting some guys, but the things that happen in conversations, in relationships, takes what's happening up here to a deeper level. And I really want to encourage you to be eager to do that. Ask and, questions. And yeah, ask, ask questions each other questions. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. Good. All right, what's number one? Let's go. Number one is there is a massive confusion about what it even means to be a man. I was, I was sitting there thinking, it is just incredible to me that simply in our society, having a retreat that's designated for men assumes you can actually define what a man is. Okay. Right? We're having a men's retreat. So who goes to this? Yeah, men. 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 And in our society, it is getting harder and harder for a lot of people put, to put any definition to that. I mean, most people still, I think, will grant that biology has something to do with it, but not much more than that even. And so distinguishing between what a man is and what a woman is and what our relationship to God and the world and to, to other people and other men and to women, and, and, and what, what does that look like? Is yeah. there anything distinct about that for a man? And so there is so much confusion about this, and on one hand, You've got this idea that a lot of people still hold to that a man is, you know, Chuck Norris. That's a man, right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, blowing stuff up and kicking people in the side of the head, that's not what the Bible says is essential to being a man, right? But I got to tell you something that's so funny. We walked in here, and we both grew up in rough areas, rough backgrounds. We were both athletes. And I got in a lot of fights as a kid. I was the stinky kid in my school. You know, it seems like every elementary school has a stinky kid or two. My, it was my brother and me. We were the stinky kids. And I got in fights since I was a little kid. And I could fight. I was a good fighter. And at growing up, I would walk in a room, and I'd size all the dudes up. And I'd think, he's no problem. He's no problem. He might be a problem. I don't know. I didn't do that tonight, but Eddie leaned over and he goes... <laughs> There are some big dudes some big in, cats here. in here. And, and, I'm, and I started doing that. It said I would not mess with How him. How big a boy I would are not mess you, with right? Him. Yeah. You, were one, you were right there, 88. You were one of the ones I said I wouldn't mess with, right? So, but isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that men, we just think that women don't do that at women's Ooh. retreats. I could take her. I could yeah. take her. They don't do that. Kick her right in the they face. They don't do that. You know what else yeah. they don't do? They don't say, I haven't seen you in three years. Man, you put on a lot of weight. Women don't do that, right? <laughs> We do that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it's funny how manhood can be so simplistically defined. You know, men, you know, like NASCAR and they hunt and they fish and they, they, they beat people up. And we can't go there. I mean, the Bible, the Bible doesn't emphasize your hobbies, your personality type, those sorts of things when it comes to manhood. But it talks about men in a particular way as taking the lead mm. in initiating in relationships providing in relationships, protecting people. There's a protective instinct in, that men should have and exercise, and it mostly shows up in normal, mundane things in life, the way you care for people and look out for people. Mm. And, and so, so uh, it's so confusing to be a man these days that we can either err on the simplistic, stereotypical stuff, like you got to be Chuck Norris to be a real man, or... We don't know what the difference is. Well, we're we not even convinced there is one. We, we end up living at, at one of two ends of a continuum. One end is this kind of bully end, yeah. okay? And it, maybe even think about what you saw growing up. Uh, you know, a lot of us grew up in homes where we saw dads, grandparents, whatever, who, who were just kind of iron fist. 
kind of an Archie Bunker vibe. Again, there's a little bit of an older crowd in here. You, some of you might remember. Like, what was Archie Bunker like? Give, me, give, us, give us some words. <laughs> what was Archie Bunker like? He was grouchy. Right, kind of a growl, right? <laughs> yeah. And his, he was racist. He was racist. Yeah, he was. he was edgy and a racist and a bigot. And he's just like, like, what was his relationship like to Edith, right, and the, and the kids? It was just like. He was demeaning, yeah. Yeah, she was there to serve him. So, so some of us grew up with that. The other end of the extreme is just a completely passive, detached, not really a part of what's going on with the family system at Pee-wee all. Pee-wee Herman. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. And Eric, I don't know if you were going to talk about this. I'm going to throw this out there. Because I was just looking at this this past week, that the Bible in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. This is a great verse to write down if you don't know this one. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Paul says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. And this is what he says. Be strong. Let everything that you do be done in love. Be strong. Let everything that you do be done in agape love, where you're doing what's best for the other person in spite of what it costs you. And again, so we're somehow in the midst of iron fist over here, super passive over here, there's this middle place that God says, no, you be strong. There's a whole bunch of different ways to be strong. And everything that you do is on behalf of what make, uh, on behalf of serving other people in spite of what it costs you. Yeah. Not a lot of us saw that growing up, right? So it's no wonder that we got kind of a distorted understanding of what it looks like. Keep going. You know, I hope this is okay. How many of you guys grew up without a dad at home? Hmm. Yeah. See. How many would you say grew up with a dad at home, but pretty yeah. not at home? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's more than half of us, right? It's a good, considerably more than half of us. I'm not even going to ask you if you had an abusive father. or, But yeah. that has yeah. an impact, guys. Yeah, it Th- does. That's a huge part of the reason that our society's word it is, fatherlessness or absent fathers or passive fathers or abusive fathers is a huge part of the problem that we're dealing with. It leaves us confused about it, right? Absolutely. Leaves us confused. All right, so just confusing about what manhood really is. Toxic versions versus versus biblical. You want to look at any other verses from there? That's good. All right, let's go to number two. Yeah. This is a big one right here. Yeah, I believe that we will never be the men God calls us to unless we're men of the word. In, unless we are Bible-saturated men where our minds are transformed by the word of God and our hearts, our affections are then transformed and then our daily behavior is. We don't become the men God created us to be if we don't fill our minds with the word of God. And, and there is a biblical illiteracy in our day in the church that okay. we men need to decide in our lives we're not going to buy into even in you you said in the church so oh, it's one in the church there's a biblical Absolutely. illiteracy out in the world but That's you're right. saying in I, the church i just read a survey that said two-thirds of americans asked thought that joan of arc was noah's wife wow <laughs> she wasn't she wasn't no she wasn't <laughs> okay um but all right nope but yeah, so in the church, yeah. the media portray Christians as a bunch of Bible thumpers. The fact is most of those aren't even Bible readers. Okay. 
But the Bible says that we have our minds transformed, the renewing of our minds by the word of God. And we have, we have grace and peace multiplied in our lives through the knowledge of God in Christ through the word. And so we, we need to be men of the word. And the word needs to saturate our minds and hearts so that we have biblical discernment and we're not knocked around with by every wind of doctrine, like the Bible says, where, where every latest fad and trend comes along and influences us actually more than God's word. And so wow. we need to be devoted to be men of the word and help each other in that. And don't just spout out about our opinions, but, but be grounding our lives in the word of God. Well, because there's a, and maybe you jump in on this, there's a, there's a story that God is unfolding, yeah. okay, from Genesis to Revelation. Remember in The Wizard of Oz? Okay, let's go here for a minute. So I'm an old movie dude. Wizard of Oz. Some of you probably weren't allowed to watch that one growing up. I keep meeting people that weren't allowed to watch it when they were growing up because there was a lot of scary stuff in there. Those right? monkeys. Yeah, the monkeys are still out. creating all kinds of terror all over the country. But you, you remember towards the end, Dorothy gets the, gets the broom from the Wicked Witch and her friends, they all go back to, to the wizard, okay, and they're coming to present the broom and there's this big, huge, you know, the big head or whatever it was and smoke and fire and everything. And remember, Toto went and did something. What did he do? He went and pulled the curtain back and you, you could see behind the curtain that there actually, there was no wizard. There was something very, very different going on. And what I think, every time I think about what this Bible is doing, Okay, it's it's like acting like it's like God is acting like Toto and saying, here, you can look behind the curtain and I'm going to show you what's really going on. What you see out in the world is only part of the story. I'm doing something and have been doing something from eternity past that you're in the midst of right now. And there's going to be this culminating moment where I come back and make all things new. Okay, so you're, you're just you're playing a role in the midst of the story. So. My goodness, I, I don't just need to keep learning verses for the sake of learning verses. I need to get in touch with that whole story, okay? Because when I do that, it'll help me at least try to live differently today, okay? In light of what does God say he wants me to be about today in light of that story and my place in it, which is really cool. Again, then it's not just, oh, I got to read it. No, it's like, oh, I got to read it. I got to keep being reminded of what the big picture is because I keep getting sucked down into the details of every day. And he, he wants us to see behind the curtain. And the goal is to know the Bible so well that you even know where in it you need to go at particular times. And I, Talk one about of my that. friends yeah. I have so much respect for. And Jeff was saying to me, I, I was so discouraged last month that it was despair for me. And here's what he said. And he said, and I knew I needed to run to Psalm 37. Okay. And he said, and I just went and meditated on Psalm 37. But I, what I love is Jeff knew the Bible well enough to know what medicine he needed from the word, given what he was going How through. How was that going to help him? What was that going to help him? Well, with? it was going to help him think about the perspective of life from God's victorious plan, okay. not, not just what he was embroiled in at the time. So he knew what in the word was going to be helpful to him at that time. Okay. So you need, a whole, need, need to know the whole story, but then the particular parts that sometimes you need to fortify your soul at different times. Listen to... Listen to Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will, be, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. 
and it's from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We, we, don't, we live in a world that says, look at your heart. It's got everything you need. That's mm -hmm. just a lie. It's just not true. And so, so, look, if I followed my heart every time it told me to do something, I'd be in jail right now for a long time. Even yeah. on the way up here, a little road rage would have got me in jail for a while. But yeah. I don't follow my heart because sometimes it would lead me right to hell. And so I need to follow God's word, and, and I need to know God's word well enough to do that. And it just takes work to do that. We'll talk more about that later in the week. Okay. So confusion about what manhood is, biblical illiteracy, we said. How about this one? I wanna, we weren't quite sure how to say this, but a, a lack of discipline. Or, again, we keep talking about the cultural moment we live in, which I think is important to do. Like, we're, we live in a particular context where, be, where we are being encouraged to do certain things and not to do certain other things. We're not really encouraged to be disciplined in the moment we find ourselves living in now. I feel like it was much more true in my grandpa's time, right? There was just the, the ethos that came from society was to be more disciplined in different areas of our life. But man, we, we've been encouraged to not be disciplined and just to kind of go with whatever we feel, to just do whatever is comfortable. We don't put off, you know, get, buy what you want to buy right now, put it on credit, right? It's like uh, instant gratification, right? All those kinds of ideas. The Bible says, though, I love this verse. Again, there's so much to chew on here. In 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And again, what do we mean by discipline? Discipline means that you're going to make certain choices not to do things. You're going to make yourself focus in a particular direction. You know what that is, right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna maybe stop something for, for, um, because you're looking forward to something coming in the future, right? Or you're going to go through some kind of pain, put yourself through some kind of a pain like, like, like lifting weights because you want to be stronger physically, right? We, we know what that means. Well, Paul says discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness because bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness, get this, is profitable for all things. It holds promise for the present life. It'll help you live differently and better now and also for the life to come. So even though we live in this time where we're not encouraged to be disciplined, the Bible is saying, oh no, it's, it's a really good idea to train yourself to say no to certain things or to make yourself do certain things for the purpose of godliness because you'll totally benefit by that if you do it. And God will be able to use you in ways that will bring joy and a sense of purpose to you. Oh, and by the way, because of that unfolding story, disciplining yourself now for the purpose of godliness, it'll produce reward in the future, which is really cool. Okay, well, I need to be reminded of that because I don't get told that yeah. just from the cultural moment we live in. Lack and of discipline. And what the do you tough say? thing about discipline is... It, it's really something over the long haul. It, it's knowing that the grind is what gets you there most of the time. Yeah. And it doesn't have immediate results. In, in an immediate result culture, that's a hard sell. And it so is. we just need to be men for the long haul. I'll talk to students where I teach Biola, and they'll say, man, I, I'm discouraged. I'm struggling with my faith. I say, and I'll say, are you in the Word? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I tried that. And I said, what do you mean you tried it? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I read it pretty consistently. I said, for how long? He said, like three months. Dude, yeah. this is a lifetime thing, right? And yeah. I remember my son, he was 10, and he said, Dad, can I go lift weights with you? And I said, yeah, come on. So we went lifted weights. We got home. He jetted out of the car, and I thought he had to go to the bathroom. But I came in. He was in his room. He had whipped his shirt off, and he's standing in front of the mirror just like, 
That's it? And I, yeah. yeah, I said, what's no. wrong? And he goes, Dad, it didn't work. Yeah. And I said, oh, sit down. I need to explain to you how this whole thing works. You're not going to see results. Over time, you're going to plateau. You're going to feel like you're going to be going backwards sometimes. But you stay at it. You should see this kid now. He's scary. He's how, strong, how strong yeah, he he's is, chiseled. man. And he stayed at it. Started at 10 years old. So he, because he had to learn that lesson. So much of the time, it's about the grind. It's not about instant results and impressive Instagrammable displays of success. It's, it's the grind a lot of the time. And so we need to just know being a disciple involves patient endurance. And over the long haul, we see results in godliness growing. Yeah, so where are you at in relationship to discipline? Yeah. Okay, it's a good one. Another so one. now the segue to number four is is got to be discipline is vital in our growth, but we rest in the grace of God in that and in everything. So so here's a tension in the Christian life that it all starts and is grounded in the grace of God. So we find our identity, we find who we are in God's grace, in what He's done for us in Jesus, in making us in his image. So he does this. We're utterly dependent on him for it. It's not what we do. It's a gift of God, so no one can boast, the Bible says. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. And so we depend on the grace of God. We ground our lives in the grace of God, and out of that, we live lives of discipline. And so we, we find our identity not in other people's opinions yeah. or what's cool today, yeah but in who God says we are. That's why I love that worship song, I am who you say I am yeah. to God. I'm not who, who an abusive dad or a mean coach some point in my life said to me or somebody put a label on me. I talked about this issue uh, uh, over the summer at a big event, and a major leader came up to me. I mean, people mm. would say, man, this guy's as confident and successful as anybody. Some of you, a lot of you would know who he is if I threw it out. And he came up and he said, Three words came to mind, and they were three words one of my coaches called me one time mm. in practice, and it's in my soul ever since, and they were, they were horrible words he called this guy. And, and he's still walking around as a middle-aged man with these words a coach said to him, and, and he knows he's got to get through that process of affirming who God says he is and not all these mixed messages we get who we are all wow. the time. So finding our identity and significance and who God says we are, and I'll talk a lot, a lot about that in the morning. Yeah. Uh, let's keep going. Yeah. I was going to say something, but let's go. go. What's the fifth one? What's the Five fifth is uh, living for the weekend rather than for eternity. It's amazing how, how it, God gives us everything to enjoy, so there's nothing wrong with having an enjoyable weekend. There's nothing wrong with having recreation in your life or maybe a boat or what it, whatever it is our hobbies are. That those things are, are to be enjoyed. But we can get into this mentality that is so storing up treasures on earth rather than in heaven, which is what Jesus says to do, that we end up investing our lives in things that are wood, hay, and stubble. They don't last. They're not for eternity. And so, so we, we need to think seriously about what it means to live with an eternal perspective in our lives and not just a here and now perspective. Which kind of goes back to what we even said about the, knowing the Bible and the story. So yeah. I always ask myself this, do, do I know enough Bible, even as I sit here right now? And this is good because maybe you had learned a lot of Bible at one point in time and then you got way away from it. And so it's no longer really shaping the way you think, you know? So I'm asking myself, do I have enough Bible in me right now that the future that's being talked about will impact the way I live in the present? 
it'll change what I do on the weekend. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll, good. it'll change how yeah. much energy I'm giving to the wood, hay, and stubble, to these things that are just kind of, you know, the busyness of life and just trying to get along in life. Do I know my future well enough that it changes the way I live yeah. today? Right. We, we were talking when we were young in the 70s and 80s, the church talked a ton about the second coming of Christ. Yeah. About Judgment Day. It's almost like we're embarrassed by it now. Yeah. I just don't hear much of it anymore, that Jesus is coming back. You think of some crazy guy carrying a sign at the end of the Rose Parade, you know, all those crazy people. Yeah. No, Jesus is coming back. He came the first time as a lamb to lay down his life. He's coming the next time as a judge. And, and everybody's going to ha have to answer to God. So, so judgment day has to be part of our understanding of our lives. The Bible says it is appointed a man once to die and then to face the judgment. If we're living for the weekend and not for that day, we're missing the whole point. And so, so we've got to be thinking about how we spend our weekends, our money, our time, our resources, all the gifts God's given us to be the men he's called us to be. Look at, listen to uh, yeah. 1 Thessalonians 5, Good. 2 through 6. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people, people are saying... Um, um, while people are saying peace and security... Then sudden destruction will come upon them, and labor pains come upon as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. And, and so he says, "But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day, uh, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you're all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night and of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober." So that's saying Jesus is coming back. Let, let's let's be ready for that day in the way we live our lives. Yeah, so good. Okay, again, so many other things to look yeah. at with that, but let's keep going. Yeah, here's here's a sixth one. How about this one? You get this one. We live. We're talking about barriers, things that are that get in the way. We live in a hyper sexualized culture. We live in a pornographic culture, and it 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 is it eats away at our soul. Okay, again, I, even as we were thinking about doing this one, we, we, could spend, we could spend the whole weekend talking about this one, okay? And I do, we, I've done that at, in different retreat settings. We're not going to do that right now, but we're just going to put it on the table, again, for you to kind of think about what role is being, living in a hyper-sexualized culture playing in my own life right now. What do I mean when I say it's eating away at your soul? How do you know if it's eating away at your soul, living in a hyper-sexualized culture? Because you carry around this constant low-grade sense of guilt. You feel shame all the time. You can't be in the midst of women without taking their clothes off in your mind, right? Because you've been training yourself to do that, and that produces this really negative feeling inside. You feel like you can't control yourself, a lack of self-control, which really undermines what it feels like to be a, a man. Right? Uh, what were some of the other ones that I thought of? It just, it just eats away at the inside. And usually we're not talking to anybody about it if we're looking at porn or, or we're involved in sexual activities that, that the Bible would consider outside of marriage, outside of where they're supposed to be experienced. We're not talking to anybody about it. So it just kind of rots inside of us. And it, it makes us, this is what I think about all the time. Again, this is another thing that makes me angry because Satan the enemy of God, his goal is to take the good things of God and distort them and twist them and turn them into something negative. Again, that's, again, look behind the curtain. Or all-consuming. Or, 
all that matters. It becomes an idol. That's right. And, and the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin is a hilarious idea that's, that, that's even possible because life is about sex. That's all it's about. Yeah. yeah. Be a real man, where, where it shows in Which is crazy because right. it's a gift from God, and then Satan twists it to be an end in itself, that that's all that really matters. Yeah, so this is what gets me, and, and I don't know where I heard this or how it got, it got into my head, but I haven't forgotten it. Well, first of all, let me say this. Fellas, it's a good thing if you're here tonight and you want to see a naked woman. <laughs> not here. Not in this moment, no. <laughs> Clever, guys are like locked up by that a little bit. No, that's really where we're at at this moment in time. Seriously, things have gotten so twisted and messed up and distorted and confused that I got to get with men sometimes and just say, if you desire a woman, that's a really good thing. And you live at a time where you're being taught in school to desire lots of other stuff besides women. I'm just going to leave that at that. You were created to want to desire a woman and to see her naked. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. There's not. But this is what Satan does. This is how he distorts it. He says, here, here's, here's dozens of naked women. And this, is always, this has been true from the beginning of time. We just happen to live in a technological moment where here, here's millions of naked women. And have them, take them, consume them in your mind. And it feels like life in the moment. But it always leads to death. Right? Right? I mean, we're being honest. It always, you always feel crappy down the road, down upstream from any of that behavior. Right? You know what I'm talking about. This is what God says. This is the way I rigged this thing. Here's one woman. Could you even imagine what it was like? like? That is how God created things. Could you imagine what it would be like to have never seen anything other than one naked woman in your life? Like that's not even a category, right? This is how I set it up. Here's one naked woman. I want you to study her and focus on her and figure out what it means to really love this naked body. And sometimes it's going to feel like death. But if you stay on this path, okay, it will produce life. You see what, you see what, it, what just happened right there? Like it just got completely flipped around. So all of us have been encouraged to just consume <laughs> pornea as much as possible under the promise and the guise that it's going to satisfy something inside us. It's and it always ends up producing some kind of death. And God says, let's flip that back around. And so even wherever, again, I, I hate doing this because I can even see it in a lot of your faces, right? We're not going to get that resolved as we sit here right now. But maybe one of the things that just needs to happen this weekend is, is even get, get that part of your life out in the light to somebody. And start talking about, you know what, I, when that dude was talking the other day, I kind of, I am, yes, I feel the weight of living in a pornographic culture. And I don't want to feel that anymore. What, about, what am I going to do with that? How do I, how do I start to heal that and, and get to a different place? What do you listen, want to say about to that? Proverbs, I mean, Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes yeah. not to look lustfully at a woman. Gosh. I made a covenant with his eyes. He committed to do that. The lips of an adulterous woman drip honey, but in the end, her steps lead to death, Proverbs tells us. And we just need to take God at his word. And what Ed just said is massive. When you, sin isolates, and isolation perpetuates sin. Okay. So if we can get out of that isolation and put sin in the light, we can see it for what it is. Because every time we sin, it stands up and mocks us. It promises it's going to satisfy us. 
and it never does. I've been sinning for 59 years, and sin has never kept its promises one time. No. And so we've, we've just got to wake. I mean, guys, in what a, what a brutal time to, to battle this. It's so I, I found man. a Playboy when I was a kid in the woods one time next to my house. Yeah. That's kind of how I had to come across You had to go it, right? back. Yeah. Like there was, we yeah. kept one under a box on a paper route, okay? Yeah. And so, like, you had a chance to see it only when you did the paper route, yeah. and that's only if no one was around. And, and da -da -da. it's on our phones. It's in your pocket. It's everywhere, guys. We got to go to war with this. Yeah. Because God wants us to have something better. Again, that's, that's what's at the end of all that. Again, it's not guilt and shame. He actually, no, he wants that to heal, and he wants you to actually experience something different. It might be a roadblock to you right now, though, right? All right, a couple more, and then we're going to shut it down. This is the seventh one. Just about this, just a commitment to shallowness. Again, we live, we live just in this cultural moment where we're encouraged to be really superficial as men, to not take ourselves or anything too seriously. Some of us are older, so we remember a time where, where that wasn't so much the case. But I was, I was coaching um, baseball 10 years ago with one of my sons, and I'll never forget this. One of the coaches was a super insightful dude. He'd been coaching. Actually, he worked for ESPN in baseball. So dude had seen, like, lots of baseball all over the country. And he said, you know, one of the things that I'm realizing about the generation that we're a part of right now is that it's just not cool to take anything too seriously. And so he was talking about athletes and just saying, hey, you don't, guys just want to seem like they don't care anymore. And there's almost a peer pressure to just stay superficial, just stay on the surface. Don't give yourself fully to anything, whether it's a sport or anything else. Like, don't give yourself over to any cause. Like, cool people don't do that anymore. You just stay kind of distant from things. Um, it's just uncool to really care or try. And I want to be something different from that. Like, I don't want to live superficially. I want to live substantively. I want there to be some oomph to my life. You know, I still, I really do still want that. I, I was thinking of this, and Eric, I don't even know. This, this is uh, almost an indirect way to talk about this, but in Hebrews 5, I was reading this recently, where Paul says, look, by this time, you all ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, the, the things that God wants you to know from behind the curtain. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. They're, they're superficial, you know, since he's like a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I just think, wait, that's a different kind of dude right there. Like, that's, uh, that's more than Dude Perfect, right? Dude Perfect, my kids love watching Dude Perfect. Which those dudes are super cool. You know what Dude Perfect is? Where they're just playing the games and they're just finding different ways. Like, all the different shows that are on TV that involve guys, it's always just kind of entertainment and, and playing jokes on shoot each bottle other. Rocket shoot bottle rockets out of your butt. Which is super yeah. cool if you can shoot a bottle rocket out of your butt. That's yeah. awesome, right? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. Okay. <laughs> Every man's got different skills. Again, seriously, because I'm not trying to be, uh, I just I want something more, you know? And so this, this commitment to superficiality is, is a hindrance to us becoming 
what yeah, God wants it, us to be. It may be a good way to find out how that's going is if, if someone who knows you well were to ask, what is he really passionate about? What does he really care about? Would it be the Lakers more than Jesus? W would it be fishing? And again, there's nothing wrong with there's not. being a, this word, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And, and there's, a, there's a degree to which you can do that. But in some ways, you could say sin is actually a love problem. It's okay. disordered prioritization of love. Explain it, my, that. My love is out of, out of priority. You know, I, 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 it's okay to love sports, but not more than God, not more than your wife. And so that's going to have an effect on the way you prioritize your time and, and your investment and what you're investing in. And so do we let, do we let just scrolling take away too much of our life? Because that's so easy. No, what's easier than scrolling, right? It takes no discipline. And so we just have a culture that feeds dopamine hits instead of long-haul growth and maturity. And it turns us, in, it turns us into superficial people. Yeah. We're and shallow. We're shallow. Shallow, shallow is yeah. another good word. Yeah, and God, God wants, God wants yeah. something more than that. I'll give you another one, just real quick, and then we're gonna we're gonna finish. Yeah, Genesis chapter forty-one. I was reading in this because I'm kind of going through, trying to go through the Bible in a year, where Pharaoh is is um, is talking about Joseph, and he says to his servants, "Can we find a man like this in whom there's a spirit of God?" Um, and Pharaoh then turns to Joseph and says, since God has shown you all this, because he revealed dreams to him, right? He had interpreted dreams for him. There is none so discerning and wise as you are. And I just think, again, like Joseph had like, he had a substance to him. So that the Pharaoh said, can we even find a dude like this? In whom is the spirit of God who has discernment and wisdom? Again, like, yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that from a commitment to shallowness. Right. Right? There's a different path. Okay, last one, and it's just this, and it's just practical atheism. It's just not walking with God. Like, that gets in the way of being godly. We just don't walk with God, <laughs> you know? And so you might do Jesus-y stuff and go to church, and right, we're, we're surrounded maybe with God's stuff, but walking with God means I wake up in the morning, and the first thing, the very first thing I do is I become conscious of his presence and I say, thank you, God, for giving me another day of life, right? Like, because if I don't do that, then what happens? What happens to you if you don't, when you don't do that? Say it out loud. Well, he lies to us, but what do you end up doing? You just go about your day, right? You just start, you start living, and, and so I'm just living it out of myself. I'm just living my own life. So it's, so it's practical atheism. It's like I'm saying there really is no God by the way I live. I'm just going about my business without him. But he wants us not only to acknowledge him, but then as I'm walking to the bathroom to be thankful that my legs are working. As I'm, as I'm, as I'm in the bathroom and I'm peeing, to be thankful that my stuff is working this morning, right? And I still, like, I'm able to get up and go, and I'm actually able to engage the stuff of my day. And I can start thinking about, Lord, give me wisdom as I'm doing this. Help me to serve my wife who's going to want me to do something I don't want to do this morning and, 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 right? and help, me to be, help me to be patient with the kids if I'm driving them to school or whatever, right? Again, whatever it is that your day starts, but God is there and I'm walking with him or I'm not. Or I'm not. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm. faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we need to get up 
and say, Lord, would you by the Spirit's power enable me to grow in those Christ-like characteristic ways? And that, that shows up in tangible ways where, where we actually get up with a goal orientation to become more like Jesus today and not see problems that come our way as just problems but opportunities to grow and become like Christ. Yeah. And, and so it's yeah. really what Paul's talking about when he says be in constant prayer. It doesn't mean you have your hands folded and eyes closed on yeah. your knees. It means there's an awareness of God's presence throughout your day just like Ed is saying. So there's a worshipful response to a blessing. There, there's a dependent response in prayer to a challenge. And so you're aware of God's presence and you go through your day aware and growing because of that. So that's eight, right? Just what eight did we miss? We miss anything? We shout out something we, you, you think we missed in obstacles, major challenges men face in our day. Anything hmm. you want to add to what we've said? Anything that you've said, man, I wonder if they're going to yeah, talk they... about this because this is a huge one. Being worldly. Being being tied yeah, to the good. world. Being tied to the world. Just, yeah, having values and perspectives that are just worldly. Somebody said you walk in the flesh. You know, you, you, you don't walk in the spirit tied to the world. Beautiful. Anything else? Commitment. commitment. Yeah. Are, are we people who are willing to commit, to make commitments? That's right. Yeah, so we're not flaky. That's good. Right? We're not unpredictable. You can count on us. We're men of integrity. We're men of our word. There you Somebody go. said one over here. What is it? Cowards, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. So we can be, you know, again, there's this perception that culture puts out there that Christians are a bunch of, you know, overzealous evangelists. Most of us are pretty timid. Yeah. Pretty timid, yeah. <coughs> Say again? Oh, uh, yes. That, I, I met one. a dude from Sri Lanka once named Ajit Fernando. I said, Ajit, what's a blind spot in the American church? And he said, you have an amazingly developed theology of church growth, how to get churches to grow. And he said, and you have no theology of church groaning. You don't help people groaning. suffer well. You don't help people encounter pain. It blindsides American Christians because you expect your lives to be easy. That's it. Man. That's, a, that's, that's, a, great a, that's word. a really good one. Yeah. What do you got? Talk to me about that. Ah, uh, yeah, I do the very thing I hate. Yeah, there's a battle raging, not just from outside, but within. Inside. That's right. We, yeah. we, can, we can be our own worst enemy. And a lot of times we're self-deceived about the reality of that. And we justify, rationalize, minimize, spiritualize things to the point where, where we don't acknowledge, man, there's a battle raging within me. Absolutely. That's a great point. What one of you guys say over here? Say it one more time. Comparison. Comparison. Yes. That, that is the one I'm going to talk about in the morning for sure. Good. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Serve in the that's smallest, serve in the smallest ways. ways. Jesus spent 30 years in obscurity, being faithful, obeying his father every step of the way. And he was never famous about it. He, he, yeah. he took care of his mom. He took care of the things after his dad died. You're right. The Christian life is mostly in serving God in ways only he notices. That's a good word, man. So one may, or two more? Oh, oh, go ahead. Is there another one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stress and anxiety. Beautiful, eternal perspective, depending on God and not carrying every, the weight of the world on our shoulders. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah. Fear of failure. Fear of failure, yeah. Some of us got that in our list, heads man. when we were five years old. <laughs> yes. And it's still, it's still haunting us. There you go, man. And just feeling like you're already failing and always failing. 
right? Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. See, this is this is. Let me let me just say this, and then we let's we yeah, should we're, stop. We're packing in, yeah. But even the fact that you guys are coming up with so many other ones, the this is the conversation, okay? It's it's what we just gave you a list, and you know inside yourself. What are the things that are standing in the way of you, of you progressing in your walk with God or coming to God in the first place for some of us? What, what are the hindrances? Okay, that's the stuff that we want to be talking about. And we're going to be coming at it, you know, with, our, with the other times that we have. We're going to be addressing it somewhat, but that's the conversation we want you to have. Why don't you give a last word and then we'll stop. Do you have one? Yeah, I just love that exhortation that, that Eddie read that Paul gives to the Corinthians. He, he says, act like men, okay. be strong, and do everything in love. And so that idea, that, and what's interesting about that, he's, he's given that command to the church, so it's to men and women, but he is saying there's a particular characteristic of manhood that mm. I want you to embody, mm. and that's strength in love. And, and so we need to be men who are strong, and strong for others and for the glory of God. Yeah. So let me, let me pray for us. Yeah. Lord, thank Good. you that you made us men thank you that you've made us in your image thank you for salvation in christ and lord i'm grateful for these guys the way they've been locked in yeah. tonight it's so encouraging to see how obvious it is yeah. that these men want to grow and we all want to learn together lord and so would you help us by the spirit's power to be working in us so we leave here more like jesus than when we showed up here yeah. good lord. and so lord help us to grow in these ways. Bless us, have a, help us to have great conversations and just a blast together, becoming godly men together. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.